While we believe the information in this broadcast is reliable, we cannot guarantee its accuracy. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Please consult your financial professional before making any investment decisions. Investment advisory services are offered through Precision Capital Management and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. The firm only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. SEC registration is not an endorsement of the firm by the commission and does not mean that the advisor has attained a specific level of skill or ability. Fiduciary duty extends solely to investment advisory advice and does not extend to other activities such as insurance or broker-dealer services. Advisory clients are charged a quarterly fee for assets under management, while insurance products pay a commission, which may result in a conflict of interest regarding compensation. Welcome to Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group. Each Saturday morning at 8.30, listen in to successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts, Rick Durkee, Eric Cox, and Leslie Haywood. And great Saturday morning, low country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business. People you know, stories you don't. Yay! How about that? You got the tagline! I love it. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cox, here this morning with a lovely, talented, and wonderful... Leslie Haywood. Thanks. One of these days, I'm gonna, you're going to have to like quit lying. Well, talented? No, I just show up. Well, I meant wonderful. That was the one. Yeah, oh, you're yes. wonderful. Yes, so. I am wonderful. Awesome. Our, our, our other host that's not with us this morning is the lovely and talented. That's Rick Durkee. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, Rick is not with us today. Uh, so we we actually haven't all three of us on the show together in a little while. We've been I know. kind of rotating with summer schedules, school schedules, all that cool stuff. I but, know, uh, but hey, we're back back to school. We're, we're totally here, back to school. And we're, we're uh, PE. Yeah. So uh, post eclipse, we all made it. PE. You like that? <laughs> So from here on out, everything's referred to as PE. PE. We made it on the other side. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, well, thanks as usual, Low Country, for tuning your dial to 94.3 WSC on Saturday mornings to listen to this amazing show about entrepreneurship and leadership and uh, to get to hear from the best minds that we can bring up to you every Saturday morning. And this morning, with no exception, we have another great guest. I know. I can't wait. But I, before we dive into there. I know. I missed last show. So did, tell you me. Did, you did. So uh, did we, we had have? Mr. Joe Stringer on over the last two weeks. And uh, Joe is the Charleston director for the South Carolina Christian Chamber of Commerce. And uh, Joe did an amazing job just coming on and, and telling his story with uh, a lot of wisdom. And since you weren't here, I know. Leslie, I'll Fluminium. share a nugget. Um, he told a story back in the day. He actually spent most of his career with a property and casualty firm here in Charleston. And he told a story about um, his competition. And I think a lot of us in business, we alienate our competition. And in mm-hmm. his case, he actually went and embraced his competition. Uh, at that time, there was a product that he couldn't sell. So he went down and uh, started referring people to the competition. And one day the competition called him and said, what are you doing, man? He said, I can't do this. I want to make sure the client's taken care of. And lo and behold, the competition began referring him business that they couldn't do. And wow. so they became really good partners. And I think what a great story of don't alienate your competition. Matter of fact, a lot of times in the succession business that we work in, mm-hmm. your competition does become your successor. Right. Right, right. So what a great learning lesson that from is. Joe Stringer last week. Started out, keep your friends close and your enemies closer, right? <laughs> you said it so much better than I did, right? Thank you. Thank you for that, Leslie. So uh, let's turn to today's show. We're excited. Yes. We oh, have, oh, 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 I almost wait. forgot. The Facebook plug. How are they going to find us? How are they going to communicate with us? How are they going to communicate with us? I know. I, I feel like I'm flying blind See, here. you weren't here. You're all off I'm track. I'm all discombobulated. I think the eclipse did something to my brain. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I'm not. A PE is... 
definitely not the same as it was. You were that be I was going to tell you. So. <laughs> Before Eclipse. <laughs> so, uh, Facebook page, check us out at Beyond the Business and also on Twitter. Use hashtag BTBCHS and let's continue the conversation well beyond Saturday morning. So, and if you would like to go back and listen to one oh, of our yes. shows because you happen to miss one, shame on you. Yes. Go to the website, coastalwm.com. You'll be able to see or listen to all of our past shows. Binge uh, listen. Just go to the main page there. You'll see radio. Click that tab. And we've got podcasts of all, I think our last 20, 25 shows on there. So yeah. uh, what lots a great li- opportunity with Labor Day coming up. You want a little uh, idea to listen to some great entrepreneur stories. Check that out. But we're going to turn our attention to today's show, Leslie. All right. Who do we have? Mr. Sean Flood. Sean is the CEO for the Gotcha Group here in Charleston. So, Sean, first of all, thanks for taking the time to come visit and see us this morning. Yeah, good morning. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me. Pleasure we're, to be here. We're excited to have you uh, on the show sharing all your wisdom and knowledge with our listeners today. And certainly we're going to hear all about your story. However. Yes. But before we get into, you know, all of the things that made you who you are and growing up and all that, give our listeners a quick little 30 second elevator pitch on what the Gotcha Group is and what do you do? Sure. So uh, the Gotcha Group is a collegiate uh, transportation and advertising company. So focused on out of home uh, relationships with brands and millennials on and around college campuses. We do that through a variety of different platforms, including ride share, bike share, and a on-campus, uh, actually the largest on-campus uh, out-of-home uh, billboard network. So very, very exciting stuff and, uh, and and proud to be headquartered in Charleston, South Carolina. Well, Charleston, South Carolina is proud to have you headquartered here. And we're certainly going to hear all about this great company, what you all have been doing since, what, 09? Started in 09, yep. Uh, but before we dive into all that, as usual, Leslie... Yeah. Trip down memory lane. Trip down memory lane. Yeah. Let's start way, way, way back. So where were you born and where did you grow up? Sure. So uh, born and raised in Tampa, Florida. Mm-hmm. I am the uh, the youngest of, uh, of I have three older brothers. So my uh, my poor mom had had four boys running around, but uh, born and raised in Tampa, Florida. Awesome. What was life like growing up down there? Uh, you know, it's fantastic. I, I have, uh, I have an amazing family. My, uh, my parents are, uh, are very entrepreneurial. I, I caught the bug from them at a very young age, but unbelievably hardworking. And as you can imagine, kind of four boys running around and, and getting into trouble, uh, was, was a good time, but, uh, right. yeah. I'm sure that they had to be innovative on how to handle just that zoo in the house. Yeah. Yeah. I think they got a lot of it out of their system before me. So like by the time I came around, I think it was, like the blocking and tackling was already done. They just kind of knew, like you know, to keep me away from so sharp knives. Yeah, I'm the youngest. So, and what did your parents do? Tell me, tell me about this entrepreneurial spirit that yeah they had. I've got you know they're they're both amazing and, and kind of come from two different places. My uh, dad was born and raised in Ireland. Came over in his early 20s, raised on a, a dairy farm in kind of central Ireland. Um, was of of the kind of three siblings. Went off to college. Got. A master's came to the U.S. His brother, my uncle, stayed, uh, didn't finish, kind of past the eighth grade, and uh, built this this kind of great dairy uh, dairy farm there. Uh, but my dad came over, met my mom, uh, who was raised by my grandfather, who you know, by all intents and purposes, is the entrepreneur um, from a, from very young age. So she started. My mom started my parents' first business out of her garage, um, basically delivering automotive products to small mom and pop stores in Florida. I literally had a semi drive down our street, uh, which was illegal, 
and unload to to like you know keep all the product in our in our uh, garage and she just built this great business to the point where my dad finally kind of quit his job when I was I was really young and they uh, they built this business together you know kind of the pre big box uh, automotive uh, businesses you know, it's cool, Sean, to hear a story like that. I grew up the same way with uh, an entrepreneur family, and I remember, you know, all around the house, you know, you're talking about in the garage and down the hallway, there's always boxes. And, I mean, the business in the house, there was no separation, right? right? And so what do you think, uh, when you look at where you are today and success you're having, you sort of tie it back to being a youngster, what were some of the key aspects that you took away from being exposed to entrepreneurship at such a young age? Yeah, you know, and, and I think it's it's different for everybody. For me, it was sounds like similar to you. It was just part of my life, um, being the youngest, and there's a, a decent age gap between me and my next brother. Um, so I was just always around. You know, my my parents, whether it was you know a restaurant they owned or this automotive warehouse, um, just by nature, I was there every day, and I was just exposed to every element of it. And the lines, you know, there wasn't like a clear line of where work stopped and family began. It was very blended. Uh, and I enjoyed that, like, you know, sitting around the, the dinner table. It wasn't just how was school that was like very much blended in with like my mom having a thought about the day and running it past my dad. So in real time, I got a, a better not to knock my, my great education from FSU, but I got a better real time exposure um, just to how small businesses are grown just from listening you know, to to my parents, the ups and the downs. And they. I think ended up uh, more ups, but we had, you know, kind of constant downs. And, and I think as a family of a small business, you feel that in real time. Oh, you know? sure, sure. So. I think you feel that probably more than uh, more than most. Um, and the same thing, uh, my children have grown up with me, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur. And one of their first jobs was helping me put the boxes together for, you know, grill charms. So what was one of your, did you have one of those really early memories of you helping in the business? Yeah, you know, I got... what. What I was, you know, as a kid growing up in this this automotive business, they, you know, they started in their in their garage and then kind of got a storage unit and then eventually had these just great warehouses. So as a eight, nine, ten year old, this was like like playland. You know, I'd get home, I'd get done from school and I wouldn't go home. I didn't have kind of after school daycare. I went straight to my parents' business. So I like vividly remember, you know, Thursdays would be when they would load the truck because the next morning was all of the deliveries. So Thursday night, we're there till 10, 11 o'clock at night to the point where I'm playing out, you know, in the warehouse. So it's, you know, it's like the best game of hide and go seek. And then my parents had old school kind of printers, you know, that you had to like feed the paper in and that's how they would run all the invoices for the next day. So my mom in in hindsight now, I think she was just trying to get cheap labor, but they'd run all the invoices and I would be in charge of like separating them out into like all the different stacks so that the driver, the salesperson, our records had it. And I would just get insanely excited about this process that I could be involved in it, but uh, but I just got to see you know how the how the sausage was made. Cool. And, and, and Sean, yeah, she was looking for cheap labor. Just yeah, you're completely. So, completely. Yeah, exactly. I know because I did a lot of that <laughs> really cheap labor. So she it's like, still hey, does that. Work right? for twelve hours, and you know we'll buy you an ice cream. Like this is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so uh, talk a little bit about schooling. Um, obviously, you had that going on at home. Um, were you a good student? Really didn't care about it. All involved in sports. Yeah. So you know, I'm really fortunate. My parents worked very very hard uh, growing up. Uh, I went to Jesuit high school in Tampa. Kind of all boys Catholic. Catholic school that my parents had to not only run their day job, but tuition was very expensive. So they picked up a paper route where they would use their trucks from this business and they would go deliver papers. And that was like a great way to kind of offset income, especially during the downtime to make sure that I could go to this just amazing school. 
Um, so in high school, I, I'd say I was a good student. I, uh, you know, constantly in trouble for, for talking too much. And uh, I have a very short attention span. So kind of very quickly uh, got into to mischief, but did really well in high school, was fortunate enough to get scholarships that allowed me to go to FSU. And, uh, and I kind of always joke, I, I remember FSU very fondly, but I don't remember specifics around classes because I was so uh, involved in everything. Like I wanted to be in student government. I wanted to be in Greek life. You know, I wanted to be involved in kind of all these different business classes, but I, I don't remember the specifics of a class because it wasn't kind of as important as just like, you know, one element of it. But uh, I survived, got, got out of school with, uh, with a decent GPA. But yeah, it was enjoyable. Now, just out of curiosity, what was one of your first jobs, like real jobs? Yeah, so when when I was technically yeah, so when I was technically kind of old enough to work, I worked all the way through through high school, bagging groceries, and always in one of my parents' uh, businesses. That uh, I don't think I was ever paid for for that part of it. Uh, but in school, when I first arrived to FSU, uh, I got a job at a bar and uh, ran into a to a bar owner, uh, kind of tricked my way that I had any idea about, you know, what his business was like and uh, and became a bartender. Hadn't hadn't really poured a drink, even though my parents had had owned uh, kind of restaurants and things, uh, but got this job. And I remember going to my parents and being like, got this job. I'm going to bartend. And my parents are like, look, you're going to go out anyway. Might as well sit on that side of the bar and make money. And my mom tells a story pretty, pretty, uh, kind of with a smile on her face that at some point in my first year, I went back to them and they were sending me, you know, money every month like like parents do. And I went to them and said, I've, I've got it. I'm making enough money that you don't you don't have to send any more money for uh, wow. for school. Yeah. You was, turned down parents money. I did. I hope my I kids did. are listening. To this I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really didn't good. know that That's was for, a thing. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It's uh, I, I did go back and ask years uh, later. You know, they, they've always kind of been there as I needed it. I, I think I, I just built up a, a reservoir of. Like uh, the ability to ask for money, but no, you know, it was, it was important to me. They they have done a, a ton over over my life for for me and my brothers. But uh, it was just it was a good feeling to be able to say, you know, I've got the scholarships, I've got kind of enough uh, spending money now with my job, and um, yeah, it was great. In case you're wondering whose voice that is of that very mature young man back in those days, right? Sean Flood, who's the CEO of the Gotcha Group here in Charleston. And Sean, so when you're in college and you're thinking about the future, uh, was entrepreneurship business on your mind or was there another track that you were thinking about? Yeah, so, so so great question. I uh, Florida State, so this is, uh, let's see, 2001 when I graduated, so back up three years from that. I'm getting in there. I knew that I wanted to be involved in kind of owning my own business. Uh, my parents were very insistent on getting through college, getting a job, and then seeing what happens with starting my own business. Um, back then, entrepreneurship was was kind of not as in vogue as it is now. Right. FSU started one of the first entrepreneurship majors, uh, where it was the only major within FSU you had to apply for. So I got a, a marketing degree. I'm in the marketing program. I apply for this very small kind of new program, fortunate enough to be accepted. At the time, I think there's like 11 or 12 students in it, uh, and and you spend a year and a half and you end up with a degree in entrepreneurship that literally runs you through business planning and kind of all the finances. Now, schools have this, and it's, it's pretty kind of common, but back then it was just kind of new and cutting edge to learn those traits uh, through school. But, uh, but yeah, I, it was important that I got kind of a, a marketing and a holistic degree and then this kind of focused entrepreneurship degree. 
So at the time, you didn't really have an area of expertise that you thought that you wanted to go into. It was just in in general, you know, you wanted to own your own business of some kind. That's that right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, the best way to think of it is I, I knew I always wanted to kind of create something. Um, you know, it wasn't a matter of not wanting to work for somebody else. I just I always had this itch to kind of create and develop something from scratch. Um, and, I, and I liked what the lifestyle that my parents had, the good and the right. bad. You know, there, there were, again, a ton of bad about it. But I liked the flexibility and the things that my parents were able to do because of the businesses uh, they owned. So, yeah, I, I knew from day one that eventually that would be it. I, I didn't have a, like, this is the exact path I want to take. So when you graduated, what path, what did you take? Yeah, so my uh, my mom was kind of insistent on it, like, you got to get a job. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I know you have, you've got this great degree, go go get a job. I was fortunate enough, was hired uh, by a sales company um, out of Atlanta. So I knew I wanted to live in a big city. So if you, you grew up in Florida, Atlanta's kind of your closest option if uh, if New York isn't isn't on the table. So moved to Atlanta and worked in supply chain management for this uh, this large electronics company and did that for about four years and, and loved it. it. I'm actually a, a big fan of this. I think almost and I, I tell this to a lot of entrepreneurship students today that owning your own business is great and I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. But the skill set you learn when you go work for a large organization is useful, like just the daily kind of grind of it and what's expected. And And I say very often that. Every big business was a small business at some point. So you got to kind of see how an organization like that runs. And it helped. It definitely got me in a mindset of what's important, how to go through a day, kind of the expectations of, of working for somebody else and the result of your actions to, uh, to kind of the large organization. Uh, so, yeah, I did that for four and a half years uh, before finally uh, calling it quits and starting a real estate development company. In Atlanta. So we'd love to ask that question of our guest on here in terms of, you know, a lot of them have had that entrepreneur bug for a long, long time. And so as you're spending those four years working for a corporation, I mean, was there this burning desire inside? He's like, I got to get out of here and get my own gig going. Or was it, hey, I want to be patient with this, learn and just kind of observe this uh, corporate world. Uh, Probably a mixture of both. I I was enjoying it for sure. You know, I I kind of liked the the learning of it. I liked the people who I was working with. I always had this just kind of constant itch where uh, where I, I figured an opportunity would uh, would kind of pop up at some point. But which, it, which was the question next was did something happen that said it's time or did an opportunity come along that you just couldn't resist it and you had to do it? Yeah, so it was really the latter. You know, it's uh, so we're we're two thousand and five, two thousand five at the time. Real estate market is obviously kind of growing. Uh, there, there are institutions willing to give money to uh, anybody, know, a 25 year old <laughs> at, the, at the time. If you're breathing. Yeah. Yes. That's if right. you're yeah. breathing. Yeah. I remember 0506. Yeah. yeah there, you know, there were no rules. I miss those days. Yeah. <laughs> I often do. Uh, but you know, that was the catalyst of it is mm-hmm. I, I, at the time bought a, a property, um, didn't know anything about construction. I'm, I'm not the most handy person, uh, in general, um, but I, I went in, worked with a buddy and we kind of quickly flipped this house and, and, and made good money, but I really enjoyed the process of it. All of a sudden I was like, wow, I, I love negotiating. So I got to buy this thing. I love design and, you know, kind of picking where things go in that process. And then the marketing of it. So I was like, you know, it, it really was an enjoyable experience. So had the opportunity, was fortunate enough to, uh, to get a bank to lend me, lend me money, uh, at the, at the time. And bought a larger property that we were going to turn into to kind of condos, 
And it was funny because I sat there in my office and I remember the day very, very vividly thinking like I could do both. Like I can I could stay here. I could do this job. I'll probably be in it 65, 75 percent of the time mentally or I could, you know, kind of pull the parachute, jump out and, uh, and, and really go into the real estate market. And I called my boss at the time who was remote and I said, you know, I've got this opportunity and I think I want to take it and, and really just kind of go try to build this this company. And it's funny, I was so nervous, you know, at 25, 26, telling a, a person that you're going to leave. And he's like, you should 100% do it. I wish I could do it. I'm, I'm further down in my career. I've got kids. You should do it. And wow. furthermore, if you ever need an investor and this works, give me a call. I still keep in touch with the guy. And I like that was my last day. And that's awesome. It uh, it was great. You know, it, it was it was an enjoyable uh, experience, you know, being able to kind of leave corporate America and then build uh, build this company. Yeah. So what was the name? This was your your first company. First. So, yeah. yeah. What was it called? So uh, we had a few different names. Triumph Development Partners was it was the first one. Cause one of the buildings my partner and I uh, bought was this old Triumph motorcycle warehouse in Atlanta. Um, so kind of. Our focus was adaptive reuse of these historic, beautiful buildings in Atlanta. Oh, that's cool. And there, there are a ton of them. Um, so we found these different buildings. And the process, I still I still kind of get chills thinking about it because I loved the the design and the the, the kind of real real process around creating these, these buildings. So uh, we did that, had great successes for three or four years. And, and then, then comes 08. Yeah, and then music stops. Right? Yes. And, you know, the little guys like us. Find Never ourselves. heard that on the show before. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. We talk about 08 a lot. Yeah. I thought about getting like an 08 tattoo just <laughs> to like remind me about it. You don't it. need a tattoo. It's yeah. a great. We still have lots of reminders around the world. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, 08 came in in the world. Well, foreclosures don't go away for a long time. Right, I got right. reminders. Still, still are incredible. I know. I got, I got lots of reminders. Yeah. yeah. So, what, uh, so, so talk about 08 and adversity. What a great. Uh, topic to bring up as an entrepreneur, you know, you're rocking and rolling and everything's going well. And then boom, you slam into a wall. How do you handle that as, yeah. a, as an entrepreneur? Yeah. And, and I did, I mean, it's uh, to, to back up a little bit, I was high on the hawk, you know, from a just general kind of ego at it, you know, 26, 27 and crushing along banks, lending more and more money, like, you know, every deal getting more and more profitable. Um, and I remember having conversations with my parents. My, my dad was always a big proponent of like, hey, the most successful people have failed numerous times. Like the, the story you hear about now isn't the, the first out of the box for, for a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah, whatever, dad. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I, I thought I broke the mold. And I remember telling him, I was like, <laughs> great advice, pops. You're, you're always right, except this time. Like, I, I nailed it. And I just couldn't see how this didn't continue. How the bubble was going to burst? Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, mm. I believed in myself. We were good at it. You know, it, 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 the process was was right. We were doing everything kind of financially correct, my, my partner at the time. Um, and when it stopped, it went to the lowest I've ever been. And what happened kind of personally in my life at that point mm. by seeing the opposite is is a hundred percent why I am where I am today. Dad was right. Dad, hundred percent right. Hundred percent right. And I remember calling him when you know all of a sudden, as everybody remembers, like the water turned off, mm-hmm. and if you didn't have enough money to survive, like we we didn't go to zero, we went to negative, mm-hmm. and every day was a struggle. And I remember calling my dad and just being like unbelievably low, and I was like, I don't know what to do tomorrow. Like this hole is so big, I don't know how to get out of it. And he said it and it, he's he was right. He's like, I can't tell you when, but I guarantee you time is is the answer. Like it might be a right. day, a right. week, but like 
you just got to show up tomorrow and the next day and like something will happen. Right. Uh, and he was right. Uh, you know, I uh, I left a few weeks after that and went down to Tallahassee uh, probably to just drink my sorrows away uh, from, from how bad things were. But I was hanging out with uh, some buddies at, at FSU and and the idea of gotcha was born at that table. Wow. So it, if it wasn't for the the deep, deep low, right. this would have never happened. So I love that. That's amazing. Do we have to leave? We're we, now have we to have a minute it. and a half. So let's dive in. Tell us about gotcha uh, birth at this table while drinking. This yeah, is a great story. Yeah. We're, we're sitting around this morning, and there's some younger college students kind of hanging out on the table, some, some fraternity brothers. And they were talking about the night they went out the night before and how they got there. And think about this is 2009, kind of pre-Uber on college campuses. And they're like, you know what? I, I had to drive with a buddy. And it sounded like, you know, one of them had probably had some drinks. And I was like, you know, I graduated years ago. And how is this still a problem on campus? Like, how haven't we cured transportation on a college campus? Seems like an easy, easy problem. I left. I'm driving back to Atlanta that day. And I would remembered seeing kind of low-speed electric vehicles down in Tampa running around. I was like, this might be the idea. Like, why not bring these to a college campus and drive folks folks around? Uh, a week later, came back to Tallahassee, got a meeting with FSU and said, look, I've got this idea. I want to bring low-speed electric vehicles. I want to give free rides on campus. And I think I should sell advertising to people to offset it. And that it took a few weeks to, like, convince the right people and kind of navigate the city. But Gotcha was born literally from from that. We launched the company 45 days later. Perfect. What a great place to stop. I know. You want to know more? Come back next Saturday next morning. Next week. 830, 94.3 WSC. And hear the rest of the story from Mr. Sean Flood, CEO of the Gotcha Group here in Charleston. Thank you so much for a great uh, story today. Thank you. With that, uh, we're going to wind up today's show. Thanks for, again, listening to Beyond the Business. Heard again here on 94.3 WSC every Saturday morning. And until then, we'll see you in, uh, next week. See you next week. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Join the Christian business movement. Visit sc-c3.org. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group. If you're a successful business leader or entrepreneur and would like to be featured on a future program, send an email to rick at cfpgroup.biz. Listen in next Saturday morning at 830 for Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC. You've invested countless hours and dollars building your business, and now your investment in your business has paid off. But did you know that according to Business News Daily that more than 60% of small business owners planning to leave their business in the next 10 years don't have an exit strategy? Hi, it's Rick Durkee of the Coastal Financial Planning Group. Let me ask you, have you planned your personal financial future wellness as well as that of your business? Have you established a succession plan for your business? Have you developed a plan for your perpetual legacy? 
Join me for a free discovery workshop to develop the best strategy for your business. BEST Business Exit Strategy Timetable. Call now and I'll send you an invitation by email to learn how to develop your business exit strategy timetable. Call 843-735-5065. That's 843-735-5065 for this free discovery workshop on how to develop your business exit strategy timetable. 843-735-5065.